Hello everybody and welcome to this, the latest episode of the Rewatch Project with Hannah and Mike. Apologies in advance for the sound of rain outside, but it's a classic New Zealand summer evening where it's humid and warm, but grey and wet, so we can't really do anything about that. But anyway, we will be talking through Very the typical rain. typical pre-Christmas weather. It is, yes. Uh, we will be talking about the second episode of season six of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., namely the episode Window of Opportunity. So, uh, Hannah, please tell us about this episode. The synopsis says, while Fitz and Enoch struggle in space, Sarge and his team move forward with their mysterious mission on Earth. It is directed by Kevin Tancheron and written by James and Charlotte Oliver. It's nice to have Enoch back, isn't it? Indeed. I don't think we mentioned that in the last episode, but, uh, I mean, he didn't have much to do beyond a little bit at the beginning, a little bit of business at the beginning of the episode, bit mm. of busy. Um, but he, uh, yeah, it's good to have him back. It's good to, with his sort of Nimoy-esque performance. Indeed. I'm, uh, I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing more of that. Uh, a couple of quick uh, other bits of busy before we uh, we get into the um, the meat and potatoes of things. A uh, quick reminder that we do appreciate feedback at rewatchprojectpodcast.gmail.com. I appreciate it's the lead up to Christmas, but it's been a little bit quiet on the feedback front I've noticed recently. So, uh, oh, I have, I have feedback. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm sure we do, but I want more. Um, so uh, you can do that at rewatchprojectpodcast.gmail.com, or if you are um, a listener on YouTube, um, then you can just leave a comment there. We also very much appreciate. Um, Reviews positively, uh, positive ones, I should say, preferably uh, on Spotify or on uh, Apple Podcasts or both. And also, please do check out our friend shows, namely Cheesecake versus Punter, his film, her movie, Film Bastards, The Good, The Bad, and the Odd Talk with That Rhythm Podcast, and Entertainment Landfill. So, Hannah, you say we have some feedback? Indeed. Um, right. So these are on our last episode, Missing Pieces. Mm-hmm. Jack Dubs, yay, an early Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast-shaped Christmas present. Oh, well, there'll be another one coming. You shouldn't have, as I never got you two lovely people anything. Oh, well. Uh, Well, you know, um, that's why God created PayPal. (laughs) (laughs) I I just, really. Um, I just wanted to take a moment to reiterate my cast iron but no evidence to back it up theory. I genuinely believe that they cannot make Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. without Clark Gregg. He is in every single episode, even in episodes where there's no logical place for him to fit. They find a way. I bring this up now because um, at the time, a lot of fans were really annoyed that even after Coulson is killed off between seasons, Clark Gregg is still on the show. Those people saw it as a cop-out, or dare I say it, a betrayal, but I don't think seasons six and seven could exist without Clark Gregg being in it. No. Absolutely not. I, I didn't have any problem agree. with that. No, I didn't either. I I think... I mean, the show was born out of a resurrected Coulson. Yeah, absolutely. And it it's um, it would be... It, it would be shitting on the whole series to say any kind of storyline is far-fetched. Well, and also, I would say... And I'm, I'm saying this with hindsight because I wouldn't have known that at the time, but I'd have given the show the benefit of the doubt. It's fine them bringing Clark Gregg back as long as when the show actually ends, which we now know is at the end of season seven, it's satisfying. If they undo a satisfying ending to give us an unsatisfying ending, that would be a problem. But there was no way of knowing that at the beginning of season six. Yeah. 
Uh, right, so he goes on to comment. Um, I like this episode, but the very nature of it, the writers trying to find ways of continuing the stories of so many characters after giving them what was a perfect send-off in the gut-wrenching blood, sweat and tears season five finale, it was always going to be difficult for us viewers to reset and readjust to the new reality of life just going on. Jed, Moe and Jeff have pretty much confirmed that they consider uh, the last episode of season five to be the show's true ending and season six and seven to be bonus material. Yeah, I can see that. But what I will say, and again, I'm saying this with hindsight and I won't get into any spoiler territories, but one of the reasons why I'm glad that they got to do two more seasons, aside from the fact that I just think that they were still making good stuff, so it was just good to have more, Yeah, is... As satisfying as I found the way that they finished things off with the lead characters at the end of season five, I always felt that the super-powered um, general, oh, what's his name? Talbot. Talbot, yeah. Stuff wasn't a great threat to go out on. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That, to me, felt like almost like a mid-season big bad. You know, it didn't feel appropriate to it being the end of the show. I liked it and I enjoyed yeah. it, but it just didn't feel seismic enough right. in some ways to me. But I think, again, seismic. part of that was... <laughs> I see what you did there. What do you mean? Quake. Oh, I see. Yes, yes, okay. Tenuous. <laughs> but, uh, but, yes, uh, but again, I think part of that is that they were having to do a bit of a dance, you know? Yeah. Um, he goes on to also say... Uh, from what I can recall at the time, that being the year-long gap between seasons five and six, the season six we ended up getting does not appear to be the season six they initially set out to make. At various points during the long hiatus, several people who had made appearances in, in season five either categorically confirmed or strongly hinted to fans at conventions that they had filmed scenes for season six. Those very scenes failed to materialise in the final product. So they were either lying or certain stories were excised once the showrunners made the decision halfway through season six to end the show with season seven. It is interesting that unlike the previous five seasons, no deleted scenes or bloopers have ever been released from the final oh. two seasons. So it does feel like there was that. a tighter ship. Mm. Uh, you see, I, I'm th that sort of stuff fascinates me. You know, I love knowing how that stuff works. And uh, I didn't realise there was such a big gap as well between the two seasons. That's, yeah. uh, for a network show, that's really like that. That's interesting. Do, you know, do it. I think you need to... Uh, was that Jack Dubbs? Sorry, did you say? Yeah. That I, th I think Jack Dubbs needs to launch some kind of investigative, um, you know, reports there, perhaps. Okay. So thank you, Jack Dubbs. Yes, thank you, Jack. Right, so the next two comments are both from Silver Surfer. Cool. Uh, the first one is on the Miami Vice uh, Sorbet episode. Okay. He said, I was never into Miami of Miami Advice, I was going to say. Miami Vice, I must admit. I was a fan of the show Hunter with Fred Dreyer and Stephanie Kramer. Oh, I love that show. They both debuted in September of 1984, ironically. Yeah, I remember because Hunter was made by Stephen Cannell, who made The Eighteen. And Hunter was like his sort of light, sort of 80s cheesy action show version of like Dirty Harry. 
Right. And it's funny because the thing I always remember about that was that Dirty Harry always always had his, you know, make my day. And Hunter's catchphrase was, it works for me. I always <laughs> remember that. It's like, that was his, I love it when a plan comes together. That was a great show, that was. And yeah, it's funny that they started around the same time as well. But I remember, but, but Hunter was more, that was more of a kind of Saturday evening, like Airwolf or MacGyver or the A-Team. Whereas Miami Vice was like, you know, nine o'clock on a Tuesday night. It was kind of like, unless you had the worst parents in the world or a VCR, and that's the thing as well, is I think that for Miami Vice, people associate that very strongly with, you know, the music and the fashion and MTV and all of that. But I also think it was really intrinsically linked to the rise of home video right. as well. So that meant that a whole generation of people who were probably old enough for the content of the show, who wouldn't have seen it if it had been on five years earlier, yeah. because it would have been on too late. So that op- opened the show up to a whole other audience, you know. Oh. Um, and his other comment is on our last um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode. Uh, season 6 and 7 work better as one big season, in my opinion. There are several things I like very much, but there are also a few writing decisions that I dislike greatly. I will focus more on what I enjoy more than what I found meh. Hope you are both. I hope you are doing well as always. Yeah, it does sound like maybe there are so there much. are some voices of dissent about the sixth and seventh season a little bit, but I think maybe I think to me I, I suspect part of that is the fact that they are a little bit different, particularly season six, and I also the fact that Silver they're shorter. Surfer, that the two final seasons work great as as one big one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's ex- both seasons are exactly half the length of regular yeah. season. So just on a purely consumption perspective yeah but but without giving anything away the, the the subject matter and stuff mesh as well well i mean it says a lot that you and i've said many times that we really struggled at the beginning of season seven to follow what was going on because there wasn't at least on the broadcast that we watched there wasn't there weren't previously yeah. so that suggests to me even though i can't remember it that season seven very much continues on plot elements from season yeah, six. Yeah. But all the seasons do that a little bit anyway. Yeah. So, uh, But I'm, um, I'm looking forward to it. Look, uh, I mean, the one, one of the things that I remember about season six and seven is that I remember them both just being very entertaining. Mm. And um, I think that seasons four and five, as much as I like them, I mean, season four I think is probably the best season of the show. They're very full on. Um, so I'm quite enjoying the just the sense of adventure mm. that, um, that that season four's got, and it was funny six. actually. Sorry, season six has got. Sorry, I was just thinking that the reason my mind wandered there. I was just thinking back to, to the email about Miami Vice, and I was thinking, I was thinking the other day that we should probably watch at some point the two-parter from later on in the first season that closes out the Calder own storyline. Because I was, I was watching a bit of it on YouTube uh, at work the other day because we were doing a Miami Vice one. And I've forgotten how good that one was. So that, that could be a nice if we're stuck for something to watch one night kind of viewing, just to sort of see it out, just to see the completion of that storyline. But uh, but no, cool. Thank you very much for the feedback, guys. And just a, a reminder to those of you that maybe don't listen to us on YouTube that you can just email us. And that is rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com. But for now, at least, um, we're going to hit pause. We're going to watch Window of Opportunity, the uh, second episode of season six 
of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and then we will return and review, uh, react to and riff on said episodes. So uh, let's do it. Bring it on. CS3P Combat. Player one, choose your character. Tired of film and television podcasts where the hosts exist in a blissful state of agreement? Player two, choose your character. While you're in luck. Punter. Round one, fight. Allow me to introduce you to the Chinstroker vs. Punter podcast, featuring two film and television fans from Birmingham, England, who enjoy their media in very different ways. <laughs> but anyway, that brings us to the end of the plot of Blue Velvet. The plot. I mean, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. <laughs> so join us as we catch up on what we've been watching from our own very different perspectives. Double KO. Round two. Fight. You can find us at csvsp.libson.com, also on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all the places that podcasts can be found. It just really, it's isn't. not visually striking. No, I'm just just getting confirmation. It's just inning. That's the third time, though. I mean, am I, is this on? So we've just finished watching Window of Opportunity. That's the. Uh, I've only just got the title. It's the Fucking portal, isn't it? Hell, it's Michael. a window that gives you the opportunity. To go into, you see, I'd have got it a lot more if it had been called like Portal of Thieving <laughs> or something a little bit less metaphorical. But uh, but no, we have just finished watching Window of Opportunity. The you really episode. are the antithesis to subtle. <laughs> um, to the second episode of season six of Marvel's Agents of Shield, Hannah, initial thoughts. I really enjoyed this one and loved the broadening out into like getting into the meat and potatoes of the episode rather than kind of re-establishing where the characters are um it was interesting that that uh Daisy and Simmons are really just a a brief mention at the end um you know and to sort of have it focused more on the team on earth and (coughs) that kind of thing um yeah, I I just I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great to get a bit more into where they all are and and for and for it not to dwell too much on where their emotional states are more I think on this is where the an the, action episode. Well, I think that's where the having the one year time jump pays off. Yeah. Is because I think that they're with the shorter season, they kind of don't have time to piss about with all that stuff. No. Um, and you don't want that at the beginning of the season, I don't think. So I think no, you want to get into it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I really liked it. I think it's funny. I think that it also it really helps when you've got a show where you've got probably you know five or six actors who probably could be the lead in a show. Mm. They've got the chops to do that. So I mean, when you think about it, this episode really has is hugely disadvantaged by the fact that. You've essentially not got Colson in it. I mean, Clark Gregg's in it, but Colson's not in it. Yeah, you know, um, you've not. It's it, for all intents and purposes, you don't have Daisy and Simmons in it. Mm. Um, Fitz is off on his own, and whilst he's in the episode a lot, he's separated from the team. Mm. So, really, for the most part, the team in this episode is Mac, Yo-Yo, and May. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a testimony to the show that 
that it can hang together on them. Yeah, well, it, it doesn't feel underpopulated. No, not at all. You know, and I think that there's a lot of shows where if you had, I mean, even other great ensemble shows, but if you had an episode of Buffy where Buffy, Giles, and Willow were incapacitated, I think the show's true. Yeah. Um, this doesn't. No, it doesn't at all. It's brilliant. And um, I think it's a little bit like, um, I mean, I've made the comparison before, but it's a little bit like Star Trek where, you know, um, you'll get a Geordie episode mm. or a Wharf episode. And admittedly, it's brave doing that right at the beginning, you know, this early on in the season. But I think that the the mystery of Sarge and what's going on there, the the sort of the... Star Trek Three: The Search for Fits, you yeah. know stuff that's going on, but I think it's it's great that they didn't feel the need to have to cut up to Daisy and Simmons, mm. you know, because I was thinking at the end because you know I mean they were only in the post bumper scene, mm. so they weren't actually in it, and I was thinking that apart from the episode where it's just Simmons on the planet on her own in season three or whatever that is. Um, I don't think there's been another episode, I think, that Daisy hasn't been in. Yeah. So when I thought she wasn't going to be in it at all, I thought, wow, that's actually quite a, you know, she's obviously not got the Clark Gregg clause, you know. But but no, they did good. But no, I just thought it was really good. I thought it was really nice to put together. And I think that, and I'll get to it when we get there, but I think that what I've noticed they've started doing now that's really smart is Kevin Tantron is a very good director when it comes to movement within the frame. Mm. But what I've noticed is they give him episodes that aren't actually hugely expansive, which makes sense because mm. it's kind of like you get your best salesman to go in for the toughest customer. Mm. You know, so I think that in this, they, they've, the last couple of episodes they've given him are ones where I think it needs a special talent to kind of zhuzh it up a little bit. Mm. Like, for example, there's a really great, three-person close quarters fight sequence in this. That was a fantastic um, fight sequence. I really loved it. That is bloody hard to do, to have a fight sequence mm. in a small space between multiple people. Yeah. Uh, and I think that to, to be able to inject some actual interesting camera movement and choreography and, you know, relative sort of spatial relationship between the camera movement and, and for May to really be the dominant, most powerful given the height difference yeah. and size difference between... Well, she's fighting a giant person and a crazy person. Mm. But, but it's such strong choreography. Yeah, yeah. It was really awesome. And I think it was nice as well because, you know, apart from the stuff with Robin, May didn't get that much to do last season. Mm. So I think it's nice that she's kind of had a bit of a, almost like a field promotion because Mac is very much the standing, staring at the screen, mission control guy. Yeah. Um, well, she's his number two. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and Yo-Yo really is more of a tactical deployment kind of, because of her ability. Mm. She's much more of a, we need you to do a recce kind of thing. Yeah. So it kind of just naturally falls to May mm. to take on the lead, walking into a room, touching her ear to tell the audience that she's got an earpiece in kind yeah. of yeah. Um, role. Mm. And um, and I think that worked really well. And I think it's nice that she's such a great character as well. It's actually it's lovely to get uh, a bit more of her point of view and things, especially yeah. given the whole Sarge storyline. 
it's a good way to explore her grief and what she's going through yeah. as well. And, but again, the time jump means that that it's not an angsty thing. And I no, think it's that, not that's angsty. a really important it's, distinction it's, because it's that indelible mark that grief leaves on you. Yeah. Mm. And also the fact that there's a moment with Benson later on where I can't say Benson without thinking the 1970s. Uh, I love that TV show. Uh, it's probably horribly inappropriate now. It's one of the. Is that the one that the theme tune was. Someone knows, let me know. There's a scene later on with Benson where he's on catch up. He's trying to figure out what's going on when they're trying to deal with this Colson doppelganger. Mm. He says, look, you know, do we know he even really died? And you get the feeling that May hasn't really gone into it with anyone, but she's like, I was there to the end. So you get the feeling she was there holding his hand whilst he took his last breath kind yeah. of kind of thing. The thing that's about the, the gap, though, is that, like I say, it removes the angsty element. And one of the things that I like about this is that it isn't that angsty, the fact that there's been... a uh, you know, the danger of repeating myself here a little bit, but uh, but I think that maybe some of the issues that people had with the sixth season, aside from just the fact that it's a little bit different because it kind of had to be, is that seasons four and five were just very heavy. Mm. And I think that it's good to actually have a little bit of lightness. Well, not even yeah. lightness, just not heaviness, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree. And... and I think um, the character of Snowflake provides a little bit of lightness of touch, how they sort of take the piss out of, you know, you don't have to kill everyone. Not everyone's going to yeah. be reincarnated. Well, it's the fact that even though they're villains, they're having to do the anyway <laughs> kind yeah, of... Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but that's good because it, 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 like you say, it does lighten it up a wee yeah. bit. And also, although I'm sure it will come back, I think that the the mythology of the show was getting so dense and so complex, you know, particularly with time travel and noise. I feel like it's quite nice if that there's been almost not a reboot, but a kind of a refresh mm. where it feels like they've cleaned the decks a little bit. A lot of storylines have ended. So they can start building stuff up again, as opposed yeah. to just having to kind of, you know, deal with the intricacy of a lot of stuff. Yeah. Maybe if you're a hard, like hardcore fan of the show, um, you want that. But I think that just from a storytelling perspective, I think it was needed, you know. Mm. And uh, I, I, yeah, I enjoy. I, I think that if they, if they'd have tried to continue, if they'd have just sort of, I, I guess, tone complexity and dramatically, they tried to just continue from where they left it from season five. That just would not have been sustainable. No. Uh, and then maybe, uh, but but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, we're only, we're only taking an episode. Well, let's get into the sort of breakdown of it um, just a little bit. We, so we start out with like Sarge and Co going shopping in there, you know, holding up a uh, like a halfway shop. Obviously, they're from some sort of other world. They're talking about this planet and getting used to the customs and the money and like, mm. you know, all that kind of stuff. They do the, you know, they're bad guys because they do the slow motion heavy metal walk. And Sarge has got the glass, the sunglasses and thing they, going on. And they push things off the shelves because they they're badass. Yeah. yeah they've, and they've got an invisible evil Knight Rider truck as well, you know, Goliath. Yeah. May tells Mac about Coulson or, you know, mm. seeing somebody like him. We're cutting between 
them and the dysfunctional villain team as well. We see Benson working on the Cement Man. And I was thinking, what a weird geek for that actor that must have been. Yeah. To be in multiple episodes of the show where he's just like, I'm on it again this week, Mum. (laughs) (laughs) I don't blink. We see Fitz and Enoch on the spaceship. It's really weird seeing Fitz shaved. Yeah. It is bizarre. Because I've got used to him having that kind of like pseudo beard. Tufty beard. Tufty beard, yeah. Tufty um, beard. That could be like some kind of 70s comedy performer. So we, we see the beardless uh, Fitz <laughs> get caught when uh, he's trying to bullshit his way through. Because he's had his eyes done so he looks like this alien race and he's learned the language and all this stuff. Um, but he gets caught along I mean, with Enoch. It props to him for learning the language. I mean... I, I do understand this as an actor who has learnt the words that he needs yeah, to say. Yeah. But oh, well, yeah, they're not really in space either. No, they? no I know, but but when I'm watching it, I get so invested in it, I start my mind starts drifting and I'm like, God, I'd never be able to learn that language that quickly and wow, he's so intelligent and my and I start I get like major anxiety about, oh, my God, what would I do if I was in that position? See, my mind goes to when people are in sustained danger in TV shows and films is, well, when did they last go to the toilet? <laughs> <laughs> That's the reality thing for me. I'm kind of, well, what are they going to do about the toilet? When did they eat? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, we see that the, uh, the ship's captain is going to space him. And this ship's captain, he just wants to space somebody, doesn't he? Oh, he's he like, does. He's, he's like, I've got yeah. my... A space on. I need to. I need yeah. to see this through. Absolutely. Uh, they offer to work for free. We see Sarge get asked gets asked about his past life at one point uh, when they're hanging out in the uh, the shipping yard. There's a little bit of business about the deceased agent, Agent Fox, who died in the last mm. episode because he was friends with Hello. The, uh, yeah, yeah, Yogo's new squeeze or sort of pseudo ex squeeze. May says that uh, this is where she says that she was there until the very end. And she wants to kill the thing that's pretending to be him. So it's weird. She's kind of it's. She's curious, but there's a there's a, there's a, there's a sort of revulsion. Yeah. There as well. Um, they get some DNA from him as well, and they say that I love the way that they're like this is definitely from Philip J. Colson. It's like they're that that they're that specific, and I love the fact that I've got a J in my middle name, like Michael J. Fox. You know, it's a <laughs> it's a J. Is is a great middle name initial to have. Very cinematic. What Philip is, J. Coulson. What is Coulson's middle name? Is it James? Joaquin. <laughs> no, I don't know. All, all I was thinking is, say, say it's James. Juliet. For instance, <laughs> if you were doing like a Naked Gun version of it, you could go, yes, Philip John Coulson, and everyone goes, ah, yeah, it's not the same one. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. It's Philip Jebediah Coulson. <laughs> <laughs> um, they talk about how they're out of PEGs, uh, the villains, and we learn later on what, that, that these are crystals, mm. which are they're, they're the dilithium crystals, but they're the space yeah. space power, like the kyber yeah. crystals. Yeah, they talk about getting him. Uh, I think it's funny as well how they keep referring to. We've got to get you back on in cryogenic soon, Fritz. Uh, Fritz, Fitz, Fritz, even it's on the Fritz. Um, <laughs> and there's two things about that that, that crap me up. One is that it's true. It's like, well, what's the rush? Yeah. You know, um, but the other thing but is, they as well, don't know that. Is, well, yeah, is that they don't. Well, no, no. But even if they did, they they still know that he would have to be He's in project before years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the other thing is, he doesn't need to do that anymore. No, you know that's the thing is that that's 
post it to last year. You know, yeah, that, but, but they don't know. No, yet. That's, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so, um, did you know that they don't know that? Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, I, I, one of the wonderful thing about wives is their ability to belligerently agree with you. <laughs> but they don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Mike. Um, yeah, so as far as they're con- so as far as they're concerned, he still has a job to do. Um, but they, they but don't they know. Don't know it. <laughs> All right, that's it. Um, the captain is going to space the crew because he's going to space someone. Let's face it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just like um, he's yeah. He's got a semi on for space. He has yes. Um, so uh, oh, it's not a semi on. It's like an iron rod. Um, my dad's poor name. <laughs> <by the way. laughs> uh, so the captain. Oh no, that. So. And, and basically, it's a really, it's a, it's a toxic work environment, isn't it? That it is a toxic work um, environment. The HR department needs completely overhauling. Yeah, yeah. So the um, it, it it puts the part timers in my job who complain that they don't get the Christmas half day when the full timers do into perspective. I should be it like, just be glad you're not being spaced. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, Benson asks Mac about Colson, um, and. Um, this is where you get the jewellery shop being held up as well. And it's like, I can't believe that somebody wasn't suspicious of them before they were, because you've got three swarthy, slightly militant, military-looking people walking in and eyeing each other. And the security guard's just like, la, 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 la. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and like, the sales talking assistant. about the vaults. Like, oh, we've got a vault. Yeah. And the sales assistant's like, hi, how can I help you? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Look at this lovely It's like, I mean... It, I, it's almost. Like, I don't think they even wanted to rob the place when they first got there. She just talked them into it. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, we get a bit more of the butterfly talk as well. She's obsessed with people coming back as butterflies. And, and Sarge slash Coulson has that um, that same speech he gives about everyone wants to be a hero. You know. Yes. Yeah. Everybody um, sort of fantasizes about it. Yeah. But, um, he's, it's a bit Ezekiel twenty five seventeen, yeah. isn't it? And I like the use of the spray paint for the technology because the portal thing, it's obviously influenced by the video game portal where it's a game mechanic where you can make a hole and you can go, you can do it on the floor and fall through into places. But it's, it's yeah. such a great idea. And the use of the spray can reminds me a lot of, do you remember that series that the Fringe people did after Fringe, the Being Human, the one with Carl Urban? Oh, yeah. How that was about like sort of um, tech yeah, um, it was like fringe, but set slightly in the future. Mm. That almost feels like something from that show, you know, yeah. where like people would do. There was that spray that people would spray on their face, and it would make their faces invisible to like security cameras and like stuff like that. Yeah, it just feels very much like it's out of that show. Uh, but it's a nifty, it's a nifty little conceit. And um, so we get um, Enoch being all Spock like to fits about the crew. He's kind of like you know needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. You know, and the you know you. That I love how they signify that he's a chronicon by sort of giving him the data head nod. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, when, there's, there's when some... he's supposed to be computing an emotion of some variety. Yeah, exactly. And um, so we learned that they want crystals, so they're after the quartz and the topaz, the stuff that isn't actually as earth valuable as the other stuff, but it does the thing they need it to do. You know, it refracts and Indeed. it. Um, um, so May finds um, the shielded uh, night truck. Fitz lines up with the crew and basically is because his big thing is he wants to be able to look Simmons in the eyes. Yeah. Uh, well, he says it looks look her in the eye. He says several times, which is odd. It's kind of like just 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 the one. 
Um, that is the phrase. Uh, no, I know, but it's a weird phrase because you yeah. you, you don't well, look don't people in the eye. You look them in the eyes. Yeah. It's just, I've, I've never got that phrase. But anyway, he's going to sacrifice himself heroically. Uh, well, it seems to be. But then what we learn is that they've done the old bait and switch. It's actually the other doors that have been done. So yeah. uh, the um, the old blooming uh, space Randy guy actually gets uh, sucked off in the end. Sucked off down a yeah. hole. Um, and uh, May enters the truck and she has a fight with the Sid Haig-looking dude. I will get these characters' names down eventually. Uh, when we, he you know. is Pax. Pax, okay. You know who Sid Haig is though, right? No. Okay, I'll show you. So I've been saying this. I'll, I'll put a... Uh, I've got to show you now, just so you can see. I'm, I'm going to find. I'm, I'm guaranteeing now every photograph of Sid Haig that I find, I find will look nothing like him. Uh, yeah, that's him. But old Sid Haig. Oh, none of them look like Sid Haig normally looks. You mean none of them look like the Sid Haig in your mind? Yeah, he doesn't look like Sid Haig. <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> Sid Haig's bald and got a beard. Now. This, dear listeners, is something you'll find out a lot about Mike. He, <laughs> yeah. he decides someone looks like someone and then when he's confronted with visual evidence, realises that he's completely fucking wrong. That's Van Dien all over again. Um, they free the clerk. Uh, this is where we get the three-person close... Uh, sorry? Dinar. Dinar. Oh, Dinar, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Um, this is where we get the three-person close quarters fight using the portal. Uh, and I, I really, say, I really, really enjoyed that yeah, fight. Yeah, very, very, and really I like good. the way that they they get rid of May by they flip the, the portal to the floor. Yeah, so she falls through, and Yo-Yo's just like, you know, what the shit are you doing here? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and the only reason she kind of falls through the hole is because she's, you know, she freezes again, seeing Coulson. Yes, and he has a little yeah. moment as well. Yeah, like, yeah. When she walks in, and she's like, "What the hell's going on here?" Mm. The guy who looks nothing like Sid Haig. Says to Sarge, Pax. Um, <laughs> Pax. Pax, okay. Um, that you froze. And he said, it was that word, Colson, that sort of gave you uh, a case of the willies. Mm. You're never quite the same after a bad case of oh, the no, willies. Oh, no, that guy who said that was Jaco. 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 The space line there for you. Yeah. Um, he yeah, said the big guy is Jaco. Jaco. Okay. The, guy, the guy who doesn't look anything like the dude. That you're talking about. <laughs> See, now I'm just confused. It's Pax. I was going to keep calling him Sid Haig. At least I don't know who I'm talking about now. Um, <laughs> you see, this episode, in my mind, is insane. It's like you've got you've got Sid Haig, you've got lovable Aces sitcom Butler Benson. <laughs> you've got all matter of like magic going on. Um, I like the way that when um, Matt walks in and Benson's poured a drink. He's like, oh, a bit early for you. He's like, no, this one's for you. I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, right, mate. And then he ends and then up he drinks drinking it, it himself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then we get the kind of, you know, the mad shit on uh, another planet uh, ending. Hmm. Um, we, we see that they, um, and this is where they see Coulson on the video as well. Um, so we see Fitz and Enoch uh, approaching uh, a planet and Enoch suggests that they go to Kitson to free the crew because it'll be safer for them there. And he I says, wonder if they named that after the writer, George Kitson, who works on S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good point. Um, so they say that he has time before going into cryo. Um, and it's a real, I mean, literally ships passing in the night mm. as one of them jumps out as the others jump in. Um, they and basically we, did the hokey-cokey. They did, didn't they? So uh, any any final thoughts here, Hannah? 
just a super fun episode. I'd give it an eight out of ten. Really, I just loved it, and and really looking forward to the fact that as the season is only thirteen episodes, it's going to get into the meat and potatoes really yeah. quickly. One thing that I really enjoyed about it, it's only just occurring to me now, and this is the same as the last episode. This might be a theme for this season. Is I liked the variety of locations. Yeah. I like the fact that we were jumping between... Well, you said at one point it's nice to see them outside. Yeah, uh, mm. uh, but I don't just mean locations from the perspective of, of outdoors, although that's absolutely correct. But the fact that, you know, you'll be in space one minute, you'll be in the night truck, you know, another yeah. point. And it just feels, I don't know, it feels big. It feels expansive. Yeah. And um, that the characters are spread out, but in a good way. Yeah, you know, and um, I like that. It feels like you know, because one of the things that I wasn't a huge fan of uh, in the first part of season five was the sort of, I guess, the visual repetitiveness of of it all being set in one place. Yeah. Whereas this one, there's uh, there's always something to look at. Yeah. And sure. you know, this is a visual medium, after all, so that's quite enjoyable. Um, mm. before Hannah tells us what we talk about next time, though, guys, just want a quick reminder: feedback, feedback, feedback. We do appreciate that. Rewatch Project Podcast at gmail.com or comments on the YouTube channel. Please check out our friend shows and uh, hit us up on social media as well on Instagram and Twitter, where we are at Rewatch Proj. That's Rewatch P R O J. And Spotify and Apple Podcast reviews are also very much appreciated. What are we talking about next time, Anna? The next episode is uh, one I remember really enjoying first time around. Um, it is called Fear and Loathing on the Planet of Kitson. Okay. Uh, synopsis says, while Fitz and Enoch try their luck at the casino, Daisy and Simmons find themselves in a much more exciting situation. It is directed by Jesse Botchko cool. and written by Craig Titley. And oh, yes, he talked about this episode, Fletcher. didn't he, when we, when we spoke to him. So it's Craig Titley and Brent Fletcher. Cool. Yeah, I... I'm excited to see this one. I remember this being remember, bonkers. This was quite a bonkers episode. Yeah, and it? it was it was really it was funny and fun to watch. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping. I remember that when I we interviewed like Craig Tickley, he was actually laughing out loud when he was talking about this episode. Yeah. So uh, oh. the, in the trivia, it does say the planet Kitson is named after George Kitson, writer and story editor of several episodes. There we go. There you go. Always thinking, aren't you, Hannah? Well, it's because every time I hear Kitson, I want to say me. George Kitson. Oh, yeah, so it's lodged in your... Uh, it is lodged. Your old think tank. Oh, my old think tank. Your old noggin. All right, that's it for now, guys. We will be back with you very soon. Farewell. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.